We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And welcome back to Hardline on this beautiful Sunday morning, and it's always a great day to talk politics. Joe Beamer is my co-host. I'm Brenda Alacy, and in this segment, we welcome... Jeremy, Sel- Jeremy Zellner, he is the chair of the Erie County Democratic Party and Democratic Commissioner for the Erie County Board of Elections. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Brendan. Joe, how are you? Doing great, and we really appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday to join us, and uh, certainly much to get into. Uh, first and foremost, the Democratic Convention uh, wrapped up uh, late last week. What were your impressions? Well, the first impression was it was a lot of excitement and and very, very well orchestrated and put together um, from top to bottom. You know, everything we are doing these days is really um, something that no one's ever done before. And I think it really went off without a hitch. Um, There's an excitement level out there. We're seeing lots of activity, people signing up to volunteer, taking lawn signs. Um, I think it, it accomplished what we wanted it to accomplish uh, as a show of unity, um, you saw Senator Sanders with a full-throated endorsement of Joe Biden very early on. That really didn't happen in 2016. And so I, I think you also saw a big show of uh, bipartisanship with many longtime Republicans uh, supporting Joe Biden this week, lots of independents. Um, it really showcased what the party wanted to get across to the nation. Jeremy, uh, w- one thing. What is one thing from the DNC you wish they would have done better that maybe didn't fully go the way you were thinking? Or was there nothing like that? You know, there, there really wasn't a whole lot um, that, they, that I think they could have done better. It was crisp. It got the points across. I wish we could, you know, in, in most conventions, you have a full four to six hours of programming every day where you could have lots of different speakers. But this had to be done in prime time so that the viewership was, was the biggest uh, viewership. Um, I wish we could have had more speakers, um, but the events that the party put on nationally and locally here, we had a, a live from Larkinville where we, we had uh, many uh, elected officials from around the state and the country. Our, our Senator Schumer was on, Senator Gillibrand. We had the New Hampshire Democratic Committee chair, uh, Steve Ballone from Suffolk County, Congresswoman Grace Meng from uh, Queens. We had our state delegation breakfast every morning. Um, it was all virtual. Um, but I, I, I guess, if, if anything, I would, I would wish we had more speakers. Um, but, but the programming was terrific. And the social media aspect, they, they had a lot of, of video clips that kind of filled in for that. All right. Now, Jeremy, leave your political hat on. Take your Democrat hat off for a few minutes. What is what would are you expecting from the RNC? What do they have to do this week? 
Well, you know, it's not easy for me to take my Democratic hat off anyway, Joe, but I, I see that I see complete chaos that that this president has sown in government and his campaign. Right now, I'm reading they don't have a plan for their delegates to do anything. Um, I, I don't see a lot of structure and planning, and that's par for the course for this administration and this party. You know, we our delegates received packets in the mail. They properly voted um, and sent them back. Um, lots of stuff was done virtually where they were counted. Um, there was a lot of, as I said, there were activities and breakout groups and training sessions for people. Our Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul participated in many of the nationwide uh, training sessions to recruit more women uh, into public office. And I don't see a whole lot of organization in the RNC, and they've actually just had a template that they can use. Jeremy, I want to go back to your point about uh, 2016 and back to the Democratic Convention. It was quite a contrast from four years ago uh, when you had Bernie Sanders supporters booing and jeering at Hillary Clinton. Uh, and days before the, the convention, the release of stolen DNC emails revealed the party officials had been eager to help Clinton and undercut Sanders. Uh, all sorts of things going on four years ago. What made a difference this year in your mind with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as the nominees? Well, first, I think there was that was just a very hotly contested race uh, to begin with. And, and, you know, I was there. I was in the front row. I was walking into that convention with the Sanders delegation. It was not pretty um, with the people outside protesting. I think a few things, Brenda, to get specific on your question. I think, number one, Bernie Sanders has known Joe Biden for an awful long time. And they've been colleagues, and Joe and Bernie Sanders know who knows who Joe Biden is. And so where he didn't maybe have that warm and fuzzy relationship with Secretary Clinton, he certainly has that with Joe Biden. I think it just made him that much more comfortable supporting him. And I've got to tell you, I, I see it here locally that, that a lot of the Sanders folks um, are supporting Joe Biden, and we see it on the state level on our calls. We had the Sanders delegation on the calls, and they supported Joe Biden. We we worked with the statewide Sanders folks to make sure they had delegates. Um, in many of the districts, Biden uh, Sanders didn't reach the threshold, but our state party worked with their chair of their convention to make sure he was represented in our delegation. Question, though, about the progressives, Jeremy, among the Democrats. Uh, do you think they'll push Biden if he is elected on health care, uh, education, criminal justice reform? I know one of the big things uh, is Medicare for all, which in some ways I think may be more symbolic than anything. But how do you think that the uh, the progressive Democrats will react to Biden if he is indeed elected? Well, Brenda, I think it's important. Um, you know, Joe talked about what we could do differently this week. I, there were a number of um extreme progressives who were very disappointed that John Kasich was able to speak or Mike Bloomberg was able to speak and that others weren't afforded that opportunity. You know, our party is a big tent and we have a lot of different groups and it's really not driven by any of them. But as you have in the Republican Party where they have their far right extremists, we have our far left extremists and we work with them and we, we try to make our platform uh, as close to the middle as we can or as close to what they're saying we can. But it is not an extreme notion to have health care for all. It's, we're seeing during this pandemic all the things that society uh, has major issues with are being blown up by a microscope. You know, you're seeing police reform. You know, we've got to come to the table with the police, with the, with the community, with the elected officials to figure this out. 
this isn't just a one-way uh, thing where, you know, the Democratic Party is anti-policing. That is not the case. The Democratic Party is pro-police and anti-bad police officers. And we've got to have that conversation. We can't just label a whole party one way or the other. We're talking with Jeremy Zellner. Your calls and texts are welcome, 803-0930. And Jeremy, the, the final speech of the night at the, the convention was delivered by Michelle Obama, who's been in the news a bit lately. She talked about suffering from a low-grade depression uh, due to everything surrounding the pandemic. And uh, the, the mantra of decency, as they called it, when she talked about that when we go low, we go high, do you think that's, uh, that she'll continue to be a presence in this race? And also, do you think that that will be the philosophy that Biden and Harris try to employ as the race gets closer and closer to November? I do. And I think you're seeing anyone who's a Democrat, and frankly, as you saw, anyone who is a uh, 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 thoughtful Republican, thoughtful independent, which there are many. Uh, are, are looking at this president and saying we need to bring decency back to the White House, which is why you saw so many personal um, vignettes during the convention of people who, um, hang on, I think Michael Caputo is flying over my house. Um, <laughs> is he waving at you? <laughs> so many testimonials um, of people who um, knew Joe Biden that weren't people who were elites. They were people who maybe uh, he rode the elevator with. He, they were people who he, he, his family has known or people who he has just stopped on the street or rode the train with. That's what we need back in the White House is someone who understands what it's like to be an everyday American. And this president completely lacks that. Jeremy, I, I, I'm sorry to ask this question, but, but I have to. Do you think it was a bad look to have Bill Clinton speak at the convention? Absolutely not. Bill Clinton is a former president of the United States. He's extremely popular still. If you recall, he left the country in pretty good shape uh, and ha had a massive, uh, highly approved, high approval rating when he left. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think it was a mistake at all. Did you know, Jeremy, uh, the, the question about Clinton, I think, is important because there is a, um, a photo that was sent out and of course there's not much anonymity or privacy in today's world and there was a picture of him getting a massage you know there was nothing inappropriate about it it was a young woman massaging his neck both were fully clothed it looked like it was in a public place but really i mean i thought those optics were horrible why would they release a picture like that i don't even know what you're talking about brenda i haven't seen anything like oh okay I definitely Google it. You'll see what I'm talking about. It was a legitimate picture, and of all people to to put that out there, I thought was really uh, in poor taste. But I want to ask you about uh, John Kasich. Uh, he called himself a deeply worried Republican, and he stepped up for Joe Biden. Uh, were you surprised by that at all? I was. You know, he, here's a governor, a, a hardcore Republican governor from Ohio who, you know, never has crossed uh, party lines in the past, presidential candidate. Um, but I think, again, what we're seeing here locally and what you're seeing across the country is people who are fed up with the chaos, are fed up with the stagnation in government. Keep in mind, this president had the entire federal government at his fingertips for the first two years before there was any impeachment. Before any there was any excuses, he had the Senate, the Congress, the federal judges uh, a majority, and he could have done anything he wanted to, and we got nothing. I think one of the first interviews I had after he was uh, sworn in was, 
geez, this is the guy who wrote the book, The Art of the Deal. He has the whole federal government. Everyone wants to get infrastructure done. You know, that's going to happen. Hasn't even touched anything like that because of the chaos that he has ridden. He is more concerned of running this country like it's a, uh, a celebrity show, a reality show, than he is um, actually doing his job. And, and that was another great theme and point of this convention was you want someone who wants to be there, not golfing, not attacking other celebrities on Twitter. Um, even people who still support this president tell me every day, I just wish he would shut his mouth and go to work. Why they still support him, I don't know. But, you know, it, it, it is well past time for this president to do his job. Uh just to be fair, Kasich in 2016 refused to go to the convention as the governor of the state in Ohio. So this will be the second time he votes against uh, against Donald Trump. And, and Jeremy, I agree 100 percent as a supporter of the president. When I see him tweet, when I hear him talk off uh, off script, I say the same thing as your Republicans friends say to you. I, I wish he would just put twi- the phone away. I wish he would get off Twitter. Believe me, I uh, I echo what you just said. Um when talking about the convention, on day one, we had the governor of New York. And I'm not going to debate if you, if you think he did a good job with COVID or not. But we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And the governor tweeted out two days ago, we're at halftime at best. Do you think it's bad taste at halftime of a pandemic to release a book to financially gain while a lot of people in this state are still suffering? Well, I don't know when his book is coming out. I, I can... October 12th. Oh, this state is in far better shape uh, than most states. And we had we were in worse shape of any state. And we've come back. And it's because of the people of this state. But it's also because of the leadership that we had. It has been an incredibly difficult seven, six months here um, for everyone. And um, the fact that we are where we are is incredible. Um, As far as his book goes, lots of politicians release books. There are a lot of people who, uh, you know, want to get their opinions out there, and certainly he's allowed to do that. Uh, Jeremy, I want to take you back for a moment to uh, national politics and your view of Kamala Harris. Uh, Now, Joe Biden talked a lot before the pick was made uh, about wanting a woman on the ticket and then a woman of color, perhaps. Uh, How do you think she'll be viewed uh, without a whole lot of experience in the Senate, but as uh, a tough prosecutor in California? Uh, how do you think she'll be viewed as a, a vice presidential candidate, especially since uh, Biden is in his late 70s and there's concern about whether he'll be able to fulfill his term and, and whether he would even run again if he's elected? Well, first, uh, if you recall, I was, a, I was a big supporter of Senator Harris from day one to be the nominee. Um, I, I thought she was just a terrific candidate um, coming from California, where she's been vetted by the voter, 40 million voters multiple times in statewide elections. She was a prosecutor, a district attorney, um, the state's top uh, law enforcement official as the attorney general, and someone who's tough, smart. Um, That's who we need. And we need someone, uh, as you mentioned, the the vice president's age, that if, God forbid, something happened, that that they can step in on day one. And she is that person. And to me, that that is my top um, prerequisite for a, a vice presidential candidate is can they step in on day one? We're seeing what happens when someone has no experience in government um, running a country. You cannot have that happen. And so I think it was an extremely responsible pick by the vice president. 
Um, I think uh, her story of uh, coming from immigrant parents, working her way up, uh, becoming, you know, the district attorney in San Francisco, becoming the attorney general, running for Senate um, is, is the American dream story. Um, that should resonate with a lot of folks in Western New York because um, that's a, that's how a lot of us uh, came here one way or another. So I think it was an incredible pick. Um, and I think someday she will be our president. Jeremy, we have a little under three months left um, until the presidential election. I have two questions. So this is a two parter. Uh, one, do you have any concerns about the campaign from here to November? And number two, if you're advising Joe Biden with a lead in the polls and obviously a pandemic still going on, would you suggest he does debates or stays away from debates? Well, the first part is, um, you know, I think we've got our work cut out for us, as do the Republicans, on how we communicate to voters. You know, we do a lot of phone banking. We do a lot of mail. We do a lot of television, social media. And in a regular time, all those things are difficult for us to do. It's going to be hard for us to go door to door to talk to voters. So my advice to the campaign would be to try to communicate in, in any way you can. We're getting really um, uh, creative here locally with how to have campaigns talk to voters here. I think they're going to have to do the same thing. And as far as the debates go, well, this president has broken every single norm in the world, okay? If he wants to go on a debate stage and talk over people and, you know, um, do whatever he did with Secretary Clinton back in 2016, you know, I I don't know that if he doesn't agree to some kind of uh, um, regulations that I would debate him. However, I think Joe Biden is a fighter and he's not going to back down from anybody. And you'll, you will see debates for sure. Uh, I do want to clarify one thing about that massage photo I talked about. It was from a trip to Africa uh, from several years ago, and it was released during the convention. So to clarify that, and to the texture, thank you for your note about that. Uh, we did get another text, Jeremy, I wanted to ask you about, too. Uh, the race be in the 140 with Conrad and Stocker. Any update on that? There is no update. The, the race has been certified. Um, the ballots have been all counted. Uh, Mr. Stocker is still in court. It's, in, it's before a judge. It's not really clear um, what he's um alleging and i think you know at this point you know because it's in court there's not really much else i can say except that uh, the race has been certified well jeremy zellner thank you so much for joining us and before we let you go i just want to say uh i think it's great you know you and i on politics don't see eye to eye but that we can have these discussions i hope more people throughout the community throughout this country can talk to people they disagree with politically like this very civil we don't have to change each other's minds but i think it's great to get both uh both opinions and i hope you join us again absolutely anytime take care folks Thank you. That, Thank you so much. That is Jeremy Zellner. He is the head of the Erie County Democrats and also on the election board. I got that right. Right, Brenda? He, uh, board of uh, Election Board of Commissioners. He's the Democratic guy. Yep. And they have a Republican representative as well. And you may remember, Joe, when we talked to Betty Jean Grant last week, uh, she works there now. And she talked, I asked her about, you know, reliability and, and uh, 
potential problems. And she made the point that there is a representative from each party, and Jeremy is on the Democrat side. So, yes, indeed, well, we, uh, a man who wears two hats. When we come back, uh, Brenda and I will talk about what happened last week, what might happen this week. If Brenda, if it's okay with Brenda, I may uh, say what I'm looking for in the RNC and what I think the RNC needs to do different from the DNC. Also, we're going to take your calls on anything that's happened politically this week or anything we've talked about with our first three guests, 803 30. That's the text number two. Make sure you line up the calls during the break. We'll be back after that. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. It feels like the show just started. I can't believe we're in the <laughs> final segment. Uh, you know, and Joe, this is the time for folks to call in so we can chat with uh, with the listening audience or text in. Uh, 803-0930 is the number for both. Yes, and last week we had the Democrat National Convention. And, and hey, there's a lot you can say about it. You, you, you know, obviously it's not ideal for either convention, okay? They have to go to this, you know, virtual convention. And, and let's be honest, it's not going to be the same as if we had the arenas fill. So, so. Just off the bat, the DNC was the first, so you got that PBS feel. And, and hey, as much as I hope the Republicans can maybe uh, spice it up a little bit this week, it'll probably have that same feel. we, we got to be honest from the get-go. Uh, but, Brenda, as I said to Senator Ort, uh, I, I did think it was interesting for the Democrats to bring out Andrew Cuomo doing a victory lap while we're still in the midst of the pandemic. And right now, New York leading the country in deaths and second in deaths, if you go uh, per million, only to New Jersey. Well, I, I don't think it's any coincidence. I'm sure they're positioning Cuomo for this. And, you know, I, I just really riles me that he's writing that book because yeah, there, there's, there's nothing that it's done with COVID because it's we're still, you know, with a very uncertain future facing all of us with this disease. And what the heck is he doing writing a book right. when we're in the midst of this? And But yet he's still being positioned as the darling of the next wave of younger Democrats coming down the pike here. And I really think he needs to pay attention to what's going on in this state that has a ton of problems, such high taxes and an exodus of people leaving the state. Stop writing a book and pay attention to your job. It, it just aggravates me to no end, Joe. Yeah, and then day two, and I know Jeremy Zellner uh, said that he didn't see a problem with it, but Bill Clinton talking about the Oval Office, I just thought that was, I think the Democrat Party, if they didn't learn in 2016, needs to move away from the Clintons. I mean, 
The Obamas are very popular, even amongst a lot of Republicans. So obviously, uh, President Obama and Michelle Obama use them as much as you can in, in uh, on the campaign trail. But I think the Democrat Party, I think it's time to say, you know, put the Clintons on the back burner when it comes to campaigning. Yeah, in some ways, I think it's really important for them to be put to, out to pasture. And for Clinton to talk about the Oval Office, to me, is the ultimate irony. Really? This is the guy you're going to choose to talk about that? Um, you know, Secretary Hillary Clinton may have a little more, uh, I guess, relevance in the sense that she was in office recently and ran four years ago. So I, could, I guess I could see their logic there. Um, but I do want to make a point about what one of the texters said, Joe, about Kamala Harris, that you know the media is no longer calling her African-American. Well, she isn't. I mean, she is a woman of color, but her parents came from Jamaica. Her dad was from Jamaica, and her mother was from India. So she uh, is not African-American, but she considers herself a black woman. So just to clarify that in case uh, you weren't aware that that was her her ethnic background. And then I just have one thing to say about the uh, GOP, and then we will get to your calls, 803-0930. And Brenda, I'd like to know if you agree with me. You know, last week, as uh, as Jeremy Zellner mentioned, last week was all about, you know, likable Joe Biden. I mean, they didn't put a lot of policy out there, which they never do at conventions. Uh, there wasn't a lot of policy. Really, it was Donald Trump's bad, Joe Biden's likable. They didn't talk about Joe Biden's record with his 50 years in D.C., and for good reason. Um, the, the Republicans this week, don't try to counteract that, okay? Don't try to run with Donald Trump's likable, all right? That's not going to work. What you do is, here's what President Trump has done. And, you know, Jeremy Zellner said, uh, he hears so many Republicans say uh, they don't like what he tweets, they don't like what he says. And, and I'm in that, that camp. We've talked about this a million times. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's what he's done. And I think his record, run on how the economy was before the pandemic. Run on what you've done. Don't try to make uh, Donald Trump this likable guy. He's not. And you know what? That's okay. You're not voting for your best friend. You're not voting for the most likable. You're voting for the one that can do the job. And I think if that's what they do this week at the convention, it'll be a success. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the president can stay on point because uh, I was just reading that, uh, and you'll hear this on the Meet the Press uh, rebroadcast at noon today right here on WBEN. But uh, Trump's senior campaign advisor, a guy named Jason Miller, said today that uh, people can expect to see and hear Trump speaking at various parts through each of the nights of this unconventional convention. Uh, But he would not elaborate on what that might mean in terms of what live remarks, speeches, are recorded. Knowing the president, he'll want to get up there and ad-lib off of the teleprompter, which seems to be his way. I don't think he's comfortable reading a script off a teleprompter. I think President Trump likes to add his own flavor, maybe go off on a tangent a little bit. Um, But will he be able to stay on point? Because Miller says the Republicans want to present an optimistic and upbeat convention this week, Joe, to your point about the economy and how uh, things are going well uh, before the pandemic hit. So I think that you're right, that that's exactly what they're going to look at, is why you're going to lay out a second term for this president based on what happened pre-pandemic. Yeah, a lot of doom and gloom last week at the DNC. Now, when we uh, were on with Jeremy Zellner last half hour, I said, you know, I like the fact that people with different opinions can have a nice conversation. And I thought we did have a nice conversation. Another person who calls in almost every week that we disagree, that I disagree with, but we always have a decent conversation is Tony and Clarence. Tony, good morning. 
Yes, good morning. And uh, Brenda, to amplify on what you just said, he's going to be on three nights, according to the last part of Jason Miller's conversation. At least three three nights. He'll, okay. And on those, he'll be in within. Uh, that's I heard what you heard too. First of all, the CDC should have been in charge of all of the uh, pandemic uh, announcements and rules. In fact, they did have a set of rules that were sent to the governors. However, in March, when that was done, the White House disagreed, if you remember, Brenda and Joe, disagreed with the CDC and didn't like what it had to send out. So it changed everything in March, prior to the 25th of March, when Cuomo issued his executive order. As far as you're saying the president should run on his economic record. Okay, good. 90,000, this is from the Department of Labor and the Census Department. 90,000 businesses are, could be, are, have already closed in the United States. 28 million people face eviction by the end of the year. Yeah, during a pandemic. Yeah, I said the economy before the pandemic. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, the people vote on what happens now. They don't care about what happened six months ago or a year. Well, then to that so logic, Tony, Tony, to that logic, every leader in the world is going to be voted out the next election because of a pandemic they had nothing to do with. So why don't you let me finish what I, I Go on. Sorry. You, you, you interrupt at the right times for yourself. 28 million people face eviction by the end of the year. 29 million people, including a lot of children, are food insecure. 28 million unemployed people have stopped looking for jobs. I didn't write this out. This is from the Department of Labor Saturday and the census. These are what he's going to run on? Are you? I, I mean, he, he might as well. Oh, oh, that also one other thing. He said, any group that, that likes me, I'm going to go in and say they're good. Listen to that. There's a group called, I forget how they pronounce it, Onion or something. Yeah, and, and Tony, when that was made, I said that was a dumb comment. I said that right off the get-go. Guess what, guess what Joe? The, 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 the Justice Department has labeled that as a terrorist organization. And he's endorsing a terrorist organization. All right, can we go? Can we go back to the economy real quick? Because in your logic, Donald Trump, states are locked down. There are state. This state locks down. There are many jobs to find. How does that? How is a pandemic the the president's fault? Again, I'll go back to my original statement. I, in your logic, every leader in in the world would be voted out the next election because of a pandemic they had nothing to do with. No, it's the handling of the pandemic. He knew about that in November, like I told you, in the last three months. And when he took no action, he said it's going to be a miracle that it's all going to go away. He also said the pandemic is a hoax. A hoax. So, Joe... He said the coverage of the pandemic was a hoax. Yes, he no, no. Yes, yes said that the pandemic was a hoax. No, he said the coverage was a hoax. Go ahead, Brenda. Sorry. I think, uh, well, listen, I think that uh, the president could have uh, handled the pandemic better, and he could have acknowledged the, the uh, severity of it, 
much earlier. But Tony, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, I don't think you can totally discount the fact that the world has been turned upside down with this pandemic and that you're going to run on the economy. In this case with Trump, he often touts how well the economy has done under his leadership. So no matter what, he's going to tout that uh, and not say, well, because of the pandemic, it's bad. He's going to talk about what he did. And had the pandemic not happened, he would still be, you know, uh, reveling in the fact that the economy was doing so well and that joblessness was down. So I think we have to be more realistic here about the way this is going to be positioned for the convention in the upcoming election. That's oh. my point. Chuck Brenda, what has he done to help the people who are going to be evicted, uh, that are having got enough food, who are unemployed? What is he doing to help them? Well, well, Republicans did try to pass another stimulus, and it did not get through Congress. No, because the Republicans, 20 of them, said they're not giving anybody a penny, and they left town. That's what happened, Joe. All right. Tony, we'll let you have the last word, as always. Thanks for joining us. That's Tony and Clarence. Let's go down the 90 to Rochester and talk to John. John, good morning. Hey, hey, Joe. Hey, Brenda. You know, uh, I know it was said by Zellner and a lot of people uh, that support Trump about his uh, tweets and whatever, but I think that's what got him in the office. I support his tweets, and sometimes even his ira- sometimes he makes irrational tweets. But look at Joe Biden. If you vote for Trump, you're not black. Come on. Give me a break. You, that is one of the biggest full pause you ever want to want to hear. And and uh, we got a candidate, Donald J. Trump, who and of course sitting president, who I believe is an American icon. Here's a here's a guy from his early twenties became an icon in New York City. He single handedly turned New York City around because he had the guts, the stamina, the brains to uh, make New York City very good again back in the late 70s. He took a lot of chances, and his father didn't support him. Trump had to borrow an unbelievable amount of money because his dad wouldn't support his investments in Manhattan. His dad thought it was going to be a bad thing, but look what happened. Now, now as far as his success as a president of the United States, it's dozens and dozens of successes he's had. So my my point is this. Trump's got to be Trump. And uh, the other thing I was going to point out, the police unions. I, don't, I can't recall when the police unions backed a Republican, almost in mass, 100%, a Republican candidate for president. They might have, Reagan might have gotten their support back in the 80s, but since that time, uh, Trump has got the police unions. Trump has got people that are afraid of what's happening perpetrated by the Democratic Party and the left. It's unbelievable. We got a party, the Democratic Party, and I used to be a Democrat. I campaigned for George McGovern in 72, and I voted for Carter twice. I saw the light when Reagan turned this economy around and this country around. So I think uh, the people are afraid of what the Democratic Party has turned into, a left-wing party. Uh, Keith Ellison, Keith Ellison, the second in charge of the Democratic Party, is a... uh, supporter of the policies of Louis Farrakhan, an anti-Semite. And I, I would say this. I think Keith Ellison is an anti-Semite. He's a big supporter of Louis Farrakhan. 
And Tom Perez, first in charge of that party, uh, Tom Perez uh, supports La Raza. La Raza, you know what La Raza stands for? The race. It's a Hispanic left-wing group. And we got the two heads of the Democratic Party nationally, one's an anti-Semite, the other guy I believe is a racist. What do you say about that? Well, let me ask you a quick question, John, because um, you raised some very interesting points about the president. And I'm curious, um, I, you know, Joe and I have talked over the past several months of doing this show that the president is often his own worst enemy with this tweeting. And today there's a big report about his sister, Marianne Trump Berry, talking about what a disingenuous person he is. Does it change your opinion at all when family members uh, say things about Donald Trump? No, no, not at all. I, I know families. I, within my, I have a very large family. Uh, just with in my family over the years, a lot of bitterness and various various situations. So, oh, it, I think I think that's very American, actually. I don't know about you, your family, but my family and many others that I know uh, have have that type of infighting all the time. So, I think actually that's an American trait in a lot of cases. Dysfunctional families, the American way. <laughs> Believe me, I, I, we've had issues, too. Uh, I'm not making light of that. I hear you. So, so anyway, uh, I, I just think uh, the, the Democrats, with this, with this uh, non-acknowledgement of the violence. What, remember when Nadler a couple of weeks ago came out and said that the violence in Portland is a myth? And I, I believe he believes that because he, he doesn't he doesn't purposely watch what's going on. I think he just wants to uh, ignore it, and, and and that and that that's a that's a huge problem. The American public, I'm hoping, uh, because the media, for the most part, we talked about it many times. The media, ninety percent of them, won't acknowledge the violence by the left, the, the, the uh, takeover by the Democratic Party by the left. They're not going to acknowledge it, so it's. They have Trump is up against it with the media, but I think he's going to prevail again. There's a lot of uh, what we call it the silent majority again that is going to give him this victory, unless there's voter fraud with the mail-in ballots. It'll be interesting to see the ratings from this week's RNC um, again. Is CNN going to cover it like they did they did the DNC, or is it going to be, you know, oh, we'll show you this here, this there? It'll be very interesting, John, and I think that'll be very telling. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, all right, man? Yes. All right, John in Rochester, always a good call. Brenda, we got to get out of here, um, but with a convention this week, and I'm guessing the Biden campaign won't be quiet during the convention because Trump wasn't quiet during their convention. So right there are two things I know we'll be talking about next week. This is a, a feast right now, Joe, for those of us who are political junkies. So there's much to chew on. Uh, the president uh, reportedly going to appear every night. Uh, there will be a lot of talk about that. and We'll see what comes of it. Always great to have a lively discussion on Hardline with you, my partner, Joe, and with our listeners and texters. Thanks for every, uh, every call and text and uh, the good conversation. Very much appreciate it. We'll see you next week on Hardline. We'll see you then. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.